0: back you're listening to money talks i'm troy Harmon here with casey smith and dr roger Tutterow. uh we've got a few questions we uh, picked up from listeners here and there uh, we would like to answer uh, we'll start with william from roswell who says um, i'm looking to purchase shares of woodward prices down in the last month and analysts seem to think it's a buy however it's also considered overvalued at the moment Uh, What do I really listen to? Well, I mean, there's a lot of things to consider. Number one, I would say, is valuation. It gives you kind of a sense of uh, whether or not something is buyable and whether or not it might go up. Um, Even if stocks look expensive, I'll tell you this, this is is my own personal uh, pitfall. When I look at uh, a company like Nike, uh, it looks expensive. I've thought Nike's a great company for a long time, but I've never been able to pull the trigger to buy shares in the company because it always looks expensive. however you see earnings grow and the price continues to go up. Uh, you know I generally tend to be a value investor so that's that's probably the one thing that I'll tell you valuation is very important to me but don't uh, don't overlook the fact that uh, you're dealing with a company that's uh, very profitable um, you know and, and if the uh, earnings continue to grow then you're in a good spot uh, with Woodward, um, if you want to know exactly what they do, they manufacture and service uh, control solutions for aerospace and industrial markets worldwide. Uh, this is one of those that, uh, you know, it does look relatively expensive to me, but if you dig a little deeper, um, who are their customers? Uh, first of all, GE makes up 16% of the revenue, Boeing at 12%, United Technologies at 62 and the US government at 6.1. Now, if you wanted to buy into Boeing, they obviously have some issues and those issues could impact the business of Woodward. But I think it's always a good thing to look beyond just the, the company that you're trying to buy, look at who it is that they service and who they rely on for revenues. Um, in this case, if you look at them relative to a GE or a Boeing, my opinion, they look a lot better. But it's not a great thing that both of their their largest revenue generators are having their own issues right now. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think, you know, if you look at it, the uh, they're they're uh, better managed the debt on Boeing debt to equity, four thousand eighty five percent. Can you believe that Boeing is (laughs) that leveraged? It's unbelievable. Yeah, that's insane. Um but uh at the moment I think I think it'd be a you know this is an okay purchase um, but I really do believe the basic uh question you had is what do I really listen to? Uh check out the fundamentals. If profitability looks good and the and the earnings are growing um, you know, you might hold your nose sometimes and buy something at a little bit of a heightened valuation, but...
1: when well, you guys a lot of times look at the PEG ratio, right? right. So the price yeah, to earnings absolutely. over the growth. So I mean, right. if, if And the that's growth, the
0: forward PE.
1: Forward PE. Yeah, so it's the, current the price divided
0: by expected earnings in 12 months divided by the expected growth.
1: Correct. So, I mean, that number gives you a real feel for how the earnings are expected to grow relative to what the price is relative to the earnings as well. So all of those factors taken into consideration, and you would say if the peg ratio is what, below 1, then that's a yeah, around right.
0: 1 is usually good. This one is 1.47, which is actually in, better in, than the market right yeah, now. Yeah,
1: with the market being so hot right now it's it's hard to find anything at one right
2: exactly yeah so and again we think about valuation valuations are relative right in the sense of saying if you're in a very low interest rate environment then one would expect that the price earnings ratio would be a little bit higher right because in theory at least what are we doing with price we're capitalizing some stream of earnings or profits or something like that
0: yeah no doubt um in this case you know i think uh if if you were going to do it uh, maybe go slow into into uh uh, Woodward, the symbol by the way is WWD for those who are, you know, want to follow along a little bit. <clears throat> but uh, uh, the other thing I would say, and now KC, this is kind of back into the financial planner world. If you have a stock that you really like, uh, all except for the price, maybe a DCA strategy, so you can dollar cost average into the price uh you know and not worry so much if if you think that it's going to fluctuate significantly over the yeah. <clears throat> you know over the the future if you get
1: you know, volatility that's going to reduce your average cost per share and so that in theory would be the way to go i mean if if it continues to go higher from when you start doing that and never has any dips then that won't work but,
0: exactly. Yeah, DCA doesn't work <laughs> when, <laughs> if when the, the price, price never just goes, goes down. up. Exactly.
1: Um, but no, it's a it's a good way to kind of um, get into a stock that you like or a, a mutual fund works well for mutual funds um, over over a period of time.
0: Exactly. All right, we've got uh, another one here. We might not get all the way through this, but I'm going to go ahead and we'll start the conversation. Brian from Marietta says, uh, a friend talked me into buying Alibaba a few years back, the spring of 2017. Uh, they haven't performed that well, although I do have a gain. Uh, now I'm seeing more Hong Kong protests and trade war escalation. Do I have anything to worry about? Uh, I see it still considered a buy, and it's undervalued. Now, I'm... To be honest with you, when it comes to Chinese stocks, it's a struggle for me to ever tell somebody to buy it because uh, just to be frank with you, I don't trust the numbers. I I seldom trust the the reporting out of a a Chinese company. There's something weird going on with Alibaba too at the moment. Um, Their CEO uh, recently retired uh, and he retired to become a school teacher
2: I would think. Well, we that, know that's everyone's dream, right? It, well, <laughs> some yeah. of us get the brass ring, and some don't.
0: <laughs> yeah, having one in the room, yeah. I, you know, I, I, uh, I think it's, I think it's interesting though that you go from a high-powered technology company to a right. school teacher. There's something, and and there's already some rumors that this might have been, you know, a man that got too powerful, so he's been kind of brushed back by the Chinese government.
2: Well, it, uh, it is a global company, but I, but I think it's fair also to say that there's a lot of turmoil in China now. Some of it's right. trade-related. Some of it is social discontent. That plays into things. Uh, you know, you always have foreign currency issues. Uh depends on, it, when you look at the financials, what how they're denominated. And, you know, that's the thing to remember about uh, profits earned abroad have to be converted back into dollars at some point. Yeah, yeah. absolutely.
0: And And in those cases, I guess, to make it simple, Uh, for listeners is when you invest in a company that that is uh, most of its operations are outside the United States, you want their currency to appreciate or strengthen relative to the dollar as much as possible, just as you would their earnings. So, you know, when you do translate that back into dollars, you get more dollars, right? So uh, I'll be honest, I think it's probably going to be best to go ahead and take your profit and uh, especially with you when you've got the CEO stepping down and I'm using air quotes here um when it when it seems like something's just really strange going on with the Alibaba right now so uh that is uh that's that's probably going to be my absolute best uh Recommendations. Uh, there was one other thing that I want to bring up. Now, uh, last Thursday, uh, you know, at this point, Thursday was a, almost a week and a half ago. Uh, we started seeing uh, a, an interest rate increase uh, among repos. That's uh, right. repurchase agreements on, on uh, usually it's treasury bonds. Right. Um, and, and uh, you know, even the Fed came out and talked about how they were trying to combat the, the or the yield increase on those bonds. Do you have anything to
2: add? Sure. One of the things to remember is when the Fed comes out and announces that they're raising or cutting the short-term interest rate, they're actually moving their target. And the Fed funds rate, which is the rate that banks charge each other for for reserves, is a market rate. And so what the Fed actually does is announce their target and then they intervene in open markets to either um, add or retract liquidity to try to get the market rate in that range. So what we saw last week was a spike in the Fed funds rate as a lot of reserves left the banking system. Now, the most common um, um, explanation is that was September 15th was when the corporate income tax payments were due, and so a lot of corporations likely wired money out of their accounts to the Treasury. And when it goes to Treasury, it goes into their accounts with the Fed. And for as long as it's over there, it's no longer in the banking system.
0: So it's not a reserve at that
2: point. That's right. And okay. so what the repurchase agreements do is they allow the Fed to inject more reserves back into the banking system without getting in the gory mechanics. It's like if I were to want to borrow a $1,000 from you, then what I might do is um, sell you a bond for nine hundred and ninety-five dollars and at the same time execute an agreement where I agree to buy it back for $1,000 tomorrow. What I've done then is effectively we've loaned money, and it's been secured by the Treasury security, uh, but there's some other technical bankruptcy advantages too in terms of if for some reason one party went into bankruptcy, it may not necessarily stay it. So those repo agreements and the reverse repos are a very common way for the Fed to inject and inject and retract the liquidity from the banking system
0: right and the the yields that we were talking about were uh, two to two and a quarter percent at the time that we started having those those right. uh, strange occurrences and and the yields went from about two point three percent up to over ten percent at one point for a very
2: short period of time yeah. and then they, then they settle them back down there's really kind of you know two two main tools the Fed has used to keep the the fed funds rate in that range one of them is paying interest. On excess reserves that banks carry, the other one is the re- repo uh, market, the reverse repos.
0: Yeah. So. so, so it's really nothing major to be concerned about. It's hard to determine exactly what might have caused this. though.
2: well, uh, you, know, you know, there's 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 a lot of you know there's a lot of treasury uh, issues that came to the market as well, and that also can can create its own disturbances. I think part of it is we really haven't been in a situation where the Feds had to talk about injecting liquidity like that in a while. And you know we used to use the old language of monetary economics we used to talk about defensive market um, operations right. in which you're going in and you're just trying to take positions against where market forces are taking things. And I think that's a little bit of what they were doing yesterday.
0: All right. So, um, you know, they even talked to specifically about they're going to have some actions to take in days to come as well. Right. So,
2: and, they're, and they're right on top of it. They've got yeah. pros managing it.
0: Yeah, it you should know, be settling.
2: Before we wrap, let me throw on the way out the door a quick um, shout out to the passage of Boone Pickens last week.
0: Absolutely. Not
2: only was he a real visionary with regard to energy, but also a great shareholder rights advocate.
0: Absolutely. Dr. Gene was on a TV show with him one time and accidentally called him T-Bone Pickens. His name was T-Boone Pickens. All right, we're going to take a real quick break. When we come back, we'll answer a few more financial questions. Stick around. You're listening to Money Talks.
3: All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed.